Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to pick it up right there above chapter 9 in chapter 8, verse 22. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. Isaiah is addressing the northern kingdom of Israel. If you remember at this point, Israel had divided into two nations, Judah, the southern kingdom, and Israel, the northern kingdom. And this was a time of great darkness for the northern kingdom. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Truly there was great darkness over the northern kingdom of Israel due to the hundreds of years of disobeying God. Hundreds of years of ignoring his prophets, warning them that he would discipline them. They wanted to be like the other nations that surrounded them. They became worldly. In fact, the Bible says earlier in chapter 8, though we didn't read it, that there was no light in them. They'd forsaken God, totally forsaken Him. They were no longer seeking Him. They were seeking mediums in the land. In other words, they were dialing 1-800-PSYCHIC friends in order to get direction for their life. Can you believe it? And for this, God would use the Assyrian nation, the world empire of the time, to discipline the northern kingdom of Israel. You see, Assyria was the world empire. And Assyria's capital was Nineveh. And Nineveh, the Assyrians would come from the south, come from the north and go southwest all to the the nation of Israel. And there, the Assyrians would come on them like an onslaught. Let me tell you something about the Assyrians. They were ruthless in their conquests. They invented ways to torture their victims. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the Assyrians, they are the ones that created crucifixion. The Romans are the ones that perfected it. Truly. When the Assyrians would invade the northern kingdom, it would be a very, very dark hour, just like Isaiah said. For when the Assyrians came, they would kill them or they would carry them away. No one would be left in the northern kingdom. Isaiah, he's warning them, but they refused to listen and they chose to stay in their darkness. Now, if you're listening, Pastor Chet, I thought you said this was a Christmas series. This does not sound like the Christmas message I was hoping for. But I wonder if you find yourself in your own darkness, this may be the message you really need. 
Because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You see, that's what chapter 9 is about. Chapter 9 communicates that the darkness of your life will not last forever. He's speaking to the northern kingdom, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, for those are the tribes that would settle there in the north kingdom. And he says to them, there will one day be glory. Though you experience the justice of God, and now you're living in darkness, you are going to receive mercy. A light would shine. The light of the world. The glory of God. His name is Jesus the Christ. The Son of the living God. In fact, Matthew. Matthew would quote this scripture as direct proof of the ministry of Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 4. Take a look at the screen, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, this is Jesus. He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, do you realize Isaiah wrote this close to 800 years before Christ was born? The land of Zebulun, what we just read, and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, light has dawned. You see, Jesus, he would begin his ministry in the darkest of places there in the land of Israel. And there in that dark place, the light would shine brightest and he would proclaim to the people who sat in darkness the way of salvation. He would show the light in the midst of darkness. And maybe this Christmas season, Jesus needs to shine some light in your darkness today. What is that light? Isaiah goes on to say in verse 3, would you look, you have multiplied the nation. And increased its joy. They rejoice before you. Now remember, this is the nation that was sitting in darkness. Now speaking of the joy of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. In other words, they had victory. For you have broken the yoke of his burden. And the staff of his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor. As in the day of Midian. Keep that in your heart. For every warrior's sandal. From the noisy battle. And garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. In other words, there will be no more need for soldiers because there will be victory. Isaiah provides a picture of victory here. Just like the farmer who worked hard and got the harvest. The warrior that's rejoicing over the plunder because there's a victory. And he brings to mind Gideon. Do you remember Gideon? Gideon defeated the Midianites. And he defeated them with only 300 guys. He went against an army of thousands and he won. And what Isaiah is preparing us for is the army of one. The small army of one. Jesus would give us the victory. See, Jesus is going to give us complete victory. There's no need for us to be gearing up for battle when Jesus has given us the victory. And Jesus is going to be the one that will deliver us from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. Because in Jesus, we have the complete victory. Now, 
Isaiah has gotten this picture of this warrior that's going to come in and he's going to bring peace. He's going to bring light into this very dark area. Now, I know when you're thinking about this guy, maybe he's six foot six and he can't even put his arms next to himself because his biceps are so big. And when he turns, his chest just kind of hits you in the face. Maybe you're thinking that that's the kind of warrior that's going to come in and provide victory and provide peace. But take a look at what Isaiah heard from the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. The weight of the world will be upon him. And his name will be called Wonderful. Wait a second, that doesn't sound like a warrior. That doesn't sound like someone that can bring us victory. A child is born? A son is given? What could a child do but run in fear when they see an army? And who would volunteer their son for such a sacrificial task? I mean, this child would have the weight of the world upon his shoulders. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave Isaiah guessing too long. He tells him, and his name will be called. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave Isaiah wondering, who is he talking about? For a name in a biblical text is not a title. Like, my name is Chet. You know that I'm Chet and you call me Chet. That's my title. No, a name is what you know me for. It describes the character. It describes the nature of a person. When the Bible speaks of name, it's speaking of a description. And what Isaiah hears is that his name will be called Wonderful. Listen to this. Wonderful. But some of you went like this. I get it. Maybe music doesn't do it for you. What about creation? I had a chance to live in the south of Brazil on a missionary journey, and uh, I then had the privilege to go and see Foz de Aguaçu. Do you hear your response? (laughs) And if that doesn't do it for you, just leave Brazil. Go to East Africa and take a look at Victoria Falls. Now, maybe you don't think that's wonderful. (laughs) Then what I want you to do 
is take another plane, go back to Brazil, and fly over the 2,300,000 square miles of Amazon forest with close to 4,000 species in one area. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a traveler. I'm never going to make it there. Just drive north. Go to Yosemite. Take a look at Yosemite. And while you're there, stop at the Redwood National Forest and just look up. It's absolutely wonderful. Some of you are still sitting there going, what else you got? And maybe for you, it has nothing to do with music or creation. Maybe for you, it has to do with being at your daughter's soccer game. And there you are, waiting on the stadium there for her to score the goal. And then she puts that ball right into the net. And you shout out, that's wonderful. And some of you are still sitting there. (laughs) And none of these things are moving you. Pastor Chet, I've been there. (laughs) I've done that. What else you got? You got another picture? You got something else? I mean, come on. And you're like a, well, let me tell you, a friend of mine's a guide in Israel. And when you go to Israel, you get to go to some sites that are two and 3,000 years old. And you seek ancient Capernaum or the southern steps of Israel or the Jerusalem wall. It's just astounding. Well, my friend who's a guide there in Israel, he told me that one time there was this lady that went with him on his tour. And every time she got out and saw these wonderful sights, all she could say was, more rocks? (laughs) Can you imagine looking at the place where Jesus put his foot on the southern steps and the only thing that you can see is just a pile of rocks? Maybe for you, Even Christmas has lost its wonder. You've been living in darkness for a long time, disappointed with the way that life has turned out. Christmas has never lost its wonder for a child. Have you ever given a child a gift and seen their face? And maybe it's why Jesus said that we should have the faith of a child so that we could keep the wonder. Has the darkness in your life, the discouragement that's come your way, has it cost you to lose the wonder of a child? Has the things that has transpired Christmas after Christmas, well, here we go again, another light, another long line, another candy cane, has it just become so mundane? Have you lost the wonder? But I need to let you know something. His name shall be called Wonderful. You see, this word speaks something greater than a song that you might hear. It speaks something greater than a sight in creation that you might see. It even speaks something greater than a child receiving a Christmas gift. Isaiah was very aware of what this word meant, but I feel it has lost its value over thousands of years, just like the word awful. You see, hundreds of years ago, if you were to use the word awful in Great Britain, it meant full of awe. But now if you use the word awful, it means that smells stinky, that smells awful. And it's lost its original meaning. And I wonder if you understand what Isaiah understood. For when he wrote, his name will be called Wonderful. 
his spirit would have rejoiced as if listening to a choir sing an anthem. His eyes would have widened out of his head as if gazing upon something magnificent in creation. His heart, his heart would have pounded out of his chest as a child receiving a Christmas gift. For in this term, wonderful, the Holy Spirit is revealing the greatness of this child goes all the way back to the book of Judges. And I want you to understand, if you remember the book of Judges, everybody was doing their own thing however they wanted to do it. Very similar to the 21st century. It was a very dark time. But God always wanted to get the attention of the Jew. And so what he would do, he would send disease or pestilence, famine, plague, even war, to wake up the Jew that they had a need for God. And then there would be some faithful family that was in prayer. And there was one faithful family. The dad's name was Manoah. And he was praying for a deliverer out of the darkness that they were living in. And God answered his prayer. And he sent the angel of the Lord to let him know that his wife, who was barren, would give birth to a child. And that he would be a deliverer. You know his name. His name was Samson. When the angel of the Lord gave this message, I want you to see what Manoah, he heard, what Manoah heard from him. Then Manoah, that's the dad of Samson, said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, now the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Wonderful. Isaiah knew this story. Isaiah knew exactly what this term would mean. You see, going all the way back to the book of Judges, this term wonderful was directly connected to God himself. He is wonderful. This word is a representation of the Lord and only this word in the Old Testament sense could be connected to God. And by using this word, he was saying that this child would have the attributes of God. This child would be God, become flesh in order to deliver us from sin and death. This is why Isaiah would write in a couple of chapters later, chapter 25, verse 1, Oh Lord, you're my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done and only you can do wonderful things. Things that no one else can do. Miraculous things. Distinguished things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and true. God alone in the Old Testament was able to do the wonderful This term, wonderful, it's a term that speaks to the supernatural power of God and the omnipotence of God that God alone can deliver us. This is why the Israelites would sing all through the Old Testament that God delivered them with his mighty signs and wonders. In other words, only God could have brought the plagues on the Egyptians. It was God that delivered us. It was God. Because he's able to do every and anything. In fact, Jeremiah would say in chapter 32, verse 17, Ah, Lord God, 
Behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power, your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. And you want to tell God that your situation is too difficult? The creator of the heavens and the earth? He created the voice that you heard sing. He created the Amazon that you were wowed by. He was created Yosemite. All he did was go like this and there was the half dome. I mean, this is our God, the creator and the universe. Nothing is too difficult for him. For he is wonderful. Amen. He's wonderful. Now, what should be our response For Isaiah, he knew exactly what this word meant. And what I want to do is create a biblical picture for you of what our response should be. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter, excuse me, Daniel, yes, chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Let me tell you what's going on. You know the Sunday school story. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Let me tell you why. Daniel was, had worked himself up to be the vice president, the chief counselor, the president's uh, uh, counselor, the president's chief counsel, chief of staff. He was the it in regards to the Medo-Persian nation. But he had some political pressure. In fact, there was some political uh, situation that was going on because there were others that wanted his position. And they wanted it so bad, they were willing to kill Daniel. They wanted it so bad that they wanted it at any cost. But the problem was, Daniel was a righteous man. They couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. They couldn't get at him for anything. And it was all about their political desire for power. And so because they couldn't get at him, the only thing that they knew about Daniel was that he was a man that prayed three times a day. So they came up with a new law. And they made a decision over 30 days. Only, the only person that you could pray to was Darius the king. As soon as Daniel heard the law, he started to cry and he got all upset. What am I going to do? How am I going to... I don't know what Daniel you read, but that's not my Daniel. Daniel heard the law, went to his room, got down on his knees, broke the law, and he prayed to God. And as soon as he prayed... The political opponents, they captured him. They took him to the king. And the king was forced to obey the law. But the king loved Darius. He was the king. He loved Daniel. But he had to throw Daniel in that lion's den. It was a certain death. Those lions were hungry. So he threw him into the lion's den. And that night he couldn't sleep. The next morning, he runs out to the lion's den. You know the story. And he said, Daniel. And Daniel goes, what's up, dude? I'm all right. Things are good. (laughs) Darius was so amazed that Daniel was delivered. Take a look at Daniel chapter 6, what Darius said. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote... To all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. I want everyone to know what I'm about to say. I am declaring this to the entire known world. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must, look at the response, tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. 
Darius is not a believer. He just saw a believer get delivered by God alone. And his response is overwhelming. For he's the living God. Steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And he works. He alone works signs and wonders. In heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Do you see Darius' response? The Gentile Darius saw a great light in the midst of Daniel's greatest darkness. He, was, he, he saw the wonder of God. Only God could have done this. That's what this word means. Only God could have delivered Daniel. It was miraculous. There was no way possible for Daniel to survive. These lions were hungry. Let me prove it to you. Look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 24. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Those lions were hungry. But God delivered Daniel and shut the mouths of those lions. And even though their stomachs were roaring, their mouths were not. Church, Darius was amazed. He knew that only God could do such a wonderful thing. So when you see the wonder of God's deliverance in your life, you can't help but respond like Darius. In fact, Darius said, let the whole world tremble. Something should happen in our body. Something should jerk within us with awe and amazement at the wonderful God. There's a profound respect for the living God who is steadfastly wonderful forever. Let me tell you something about the wonder of God. He never gets old. We never get over it. We never get used to the wonder of him and his ways. Listen, you're in awe every time you gaze upon him, every time you sing about him, every time you hear about his wonderful working power. And when Isaiah wrote wonderful, his heart began to pound out of his chest because the picture of this warrior that brings victory is starting to become clear in Isaiah's mind. This child to be born, he's a man. This son to be given, he's eternal. He will be the God-man forever. His name is Jesus. Church, Jesus is wonderful. I do have to say it was better than the first and the second service. But I don't know if you heard me. Because when I let you listen to the choir sing, He is Wonderful. When you saw the picture of the Amazon. When you saw the picture of Fosdale. Some of you are already planning, Googling, how do I get there? When I said Jesus is wonderful, yeah. 
about it for just a minute. Think about it just for a minute. Wow, look at Falls Iguazu. Jesus is wonderful. Let me say, Jesus is wonderful. You see, as the child that was born, the wonder of God is revealed. You see, Paul was so amazed at this wonderful Savior that he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy, you can't deny it, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Listen to what Paul says. He says, you can't deny it. Great is the mystery of godliness. In other words, how wonderful it is that God came as flesh amongst us. Who would have ever thought that the conqueror, who would have ever thought that the conqueror would come as a child besides our wonderful God? And there he invades the Roman Empire, protected in the womb of Mary. How wonderful. And as a human, our God thought of it all. He would be tempted in all areas that we are. He would walk through all the darkness that we walk through, yet he would be out without sin so that he could die as the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. He was the son that was given to deliver us from sin. And in the darkest moment of our life, he shined the light of the gospel to show us there can be new life. Church, he's wonderful. He renewed you. He restored you. He redeemed your life. Jesus is wonderful. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, he's wonderful. He's completely redeemed us. We're born again. In fact, as Christians, not only did he deliver us from the penalty of sin, he's so wonderful, he delivered us from the power of sin. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, listen, church, if you're struggling with sin, he says this, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Because let me tell you, church, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and there's freedom from sin. Jesus is wonderful. He's so wonderful, he can deliver you from your addictions. He's so wonderful, he can deliver you from your bad habits. He's so wonderful, he can deliver you from life long strongholds. And like King Darius, his deliverance, he delivers us from the mouth of the lion, the devouring devil. And like Darius, because he delivered us, it demands a response. Our darkness has been turned to light. Our victory is secure because he did something only God can do. He lived a sinless life. 
He took on the penalty of our sin. The weight of our sin was upon his shoulder. And he rose again to give each one of us new life. He was born to defeat the devouring lion, the devil who was after your soul. And let me tell you, he has the victory because he is wonderful. He's wonderful. There is nothing impossible for the miraculous, wonder-working God. In fact, when you looked at the Amazon and was wowed by it, he created it. When you saw Yosemite and you were wowed by it, he created it. When you heard the voices singing the anthem of God, he created the person and the voice that's singing it. Think how wonderful he is to think of all of that so that we would be wowed. Let me tell you something. Jesus is wonderful. He's wonderful. So what will be your response? See, this Christmas season, I want to offer you three to consider. The first, it's found in Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. Would you take a look? I will praise you, O Lord, with my Think about it. I will praise you. The direction of Scripture. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous. This word is wonderful. I will tell of your wonderful works. Maybe this Christmas, we praise him with our whole heart because he's wonderful. We don't just let it be another Christmas. We don't just let it be another story of the Bethlehem birth, the babe in a manger. No, this Christmas, I reflect on the fact that he's wonderful. And when I praise him, I praise him with my whole heart, not half a heart. Secondly, church, maybe this Christmas, we listen to the psalmist. Listen, it's Psalm chapter 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders. Among all peoples. Maybe this year I proclaim to the world that this child that was born is wonderful. He can deliver you from sin. He can deliver you from the power of sin. He's the God man that provides victory over darkness. So when you're going shopping in Target. And you hear over the loudspeaker. Away in a manger, no crib for a... Come on, 1230. A bed, the little Lord. Stop. Did you hear that? On Target? Target, who was just in the middle of a controversy a few years ago for letting men go into women's bathroom and women go into men's bathroom? Progressive liberal Target is praying baby little Lord Jesus? And you're in Target? You're standing in line? You've got a cashier who can't move, taking your money, and you've got people here and here, and they're singing baby little Lord Jesus on the loudspeaker. Why not turn and declare, do you know baby little Lord Jesus? Because let me tell you something, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Thirdly, thirdly, it's Psalm chapter 145, verse 5. I will meditate 
on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Maybe this Christmas, we don't get caught up in what Christmas has become. And we meditate on the wonder of the sun that was given. So when you're out shopping and you can't find the gift that you're supposed to find for your child, you're reminded in that moment to meditate on the real gift. His name is Jesus. And when you're stuck sitting in traffic because of the long Christmas traffic, that's the moment instead of getting frustrated, you meditate on the real reason for this season. His name is Jesus and he's wonderful. And when you invite Aunt Sally to your house and she's sitting down there eating your chicken and looks at you and says, it's too dry. You're reminded in that moment. Well, first of all, if she thinks it's too dry, just call it chicharronas and she'll be able to, um, she'll be able to get right through it. But in that moment, when you feel insulted because your Christmas chicken didn't turn out, you be reminded it was never about Christmas chicken. It was always about Jesus. And he is wonderful. He's wonderful. You see, we've got to change the way that we think. And if we meditate on Jesus... Maybe our spirit will leap just like John the Baptist did in the womb of Elizabeth when Jesus was coming close in Mary. Maybe when you look at the babe in a manger again for the first time, you will leave Calvary Chapel, South Bay rejoicing just like the shepherds after they saw Jesus in the manger. Maybe you'll be like Simeon. And when you see Jesus again for the first time, you'll lift him up into the sky and say, now I can die. I'm completely satisfied because Jesus is wonderful. Maybe you'll be like Anna who ran out of the temple seeking for those who wanted redemption in Israel. And you'll run out of Calvary Chapel, South Bay with the strength and the energy of an 80-year-old woman proclaiming that redemption has come through this babe in a manger. Maybe. Maybe you'll be like the wise men who traveled for over two years to get to Jesus just to give him a gift. And maybe your family member or your friend that lives across the country or in Northern California or across LA, maybe it won't matter how much it costs or where you have to go that you're going to go and you're going to declare the gift of Jesus to someone who needs victory over sin and victory over the power of sin in their life. Church, maybe as you meditate on him, you'll be like Mary who pondered all of these things in her heart and pondered all of these things in her soul and a song erupted out of her. My soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let me tell you something, church. He is Our Father, today we come to you as the church that declares you wonderful. And so, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in our spirit. 
That when things aren't going our way this Christmas, the lights aren't going up, or the tree doesn't look good, or the present's not there, that we meditate on the fact, you're wonderful. No matter what happens in my life, the sight that I see or the feeling I behold, there is a truth found in Scripture. Jesus is wonderful. So, Lord, I I pray for everyone in our church. Move in this place. Take us from the place of the darkness of this season and show us the light that you're wonderful. Renew in us the spirit of a child because we've received the best gift of eternity, the wonderful Savior. Today, if that's you and you need to renew the spirit of Christmas, the wonder of Jesus, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor, I don't want to get caught up in anything but the wonder. Just raise your hand. Yeah, Lord, I just pray for hands lifted all over this auditorium. Keep us in the wonder. I pray that you would minister to us through this season that when it goes wrong or bad it's not what the season's about it's about you and what you did for us you gave us victory you gave us eternity and we think and declare your great wonder today in Jesus name But you're home for Christmas. Your mom said, the only thing I want for Christmas is that you come to church, so you're here. We want to say welcome. But you're not here by accident. Because you, like the northern kingdom of Israel, you disobeyed God for a long time. And you got it all. You got your car, you got your apartment, you're making it on your own but you still feel like you don't have enough. You're empty. There's a great gift that I want to offer you. It's a wonderful gift. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that can satisfy you. So mom, friend, neighbor, this is where you lean over. This is why I brought you here. Something's about to happen. You're going to get saved. I'm telling you. Church, I want you to be in prayer. Because if you don't know Jesus today, I want to offer you the gift of salvation. You see, Jesus, he promises us an abundant life. But he also promises eternal life. He did the impossible because he's so wonderful. He provided the way to get to God. There is no other way to get to God. I don't care what the world tells you. And what do they know anyway? They act like experts and they've never been to heaven. How could you say how to get to heaven if you've never been there? And Jesus provided the way because he's wonderful. In other words, it's only something that God could do. Isaiah got that. He believed it. 
And I'm asking you to receive the gift of Jesus. You know I'm talking to you because your heart's beating out of your chest. You know I'm talking to you because you've tried everything that the world's got to offer and you still feel like you want more. You still feel empty. In fact, you know I'm talking to you because God's Spirit is yearning, knocking at the the door of your heart, saying, let me in. I want to give you life. So I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and what you're going to see is everyone's going to applaud when you do it just like they have in our services. Listen, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward and take a step of faith and start a new life with God today. Thanks for listening and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.